got Brother Jalen in the choir doing a fabulous job today. Man, God's moving, and I'm almost scared to say anything. Uh, I don't like messing it up. Brother Jalen, normally he'll shoot me a text or he'll give me a phone call or something on the on the weeks that, that I'm preaching, and he wants to kind of get with me and find out what I'm preaching on so he can kind of arrange his music around what I'm preaching on and uh, it just kind of makes the service flow and this week uh, Brother Dalen didn't even have to call me he didn't call me he didn't text me or anything and man just did a fabulous job with the music and it lines right up with the message this morning and I like it when that happens because that means it wasn't anything that I did and it wasn't anything that he did it was something that God did and I like getting in on what God's doing. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter number 8 and verse number 40. And do me a favor. If you were here for the very first time and you filled out that prayer request card, can you just hold that up real high? We've got somebody that wants to take that up. We, we really do pray over these cards. That's not something that we just say in the services. That's something that we really do. So if you got those and if you'll hold that up real big, Got some in the front. Thank y'all for coming. Thank y'all for being with us this morning. Some all in the back. Thank y'all for coming today. We're sure glad that y'all chose Temple to be your place of worship this morning. Uh, one old preacher said this. He said, we'll preach in so many ways that you're bound to like one of them. So we, we hope y'all enjoy your time with us. Are you there at Luke chapter number 8 and verse number 40? All right. If you are, say amen. All right. The Bible says... And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, and for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having issue of blood, twelve years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment now in the book of Matthew it says the hem of his garment so that's what the border there is it says and immediately her issue of blood was staunched and Jesus said who touched me and when all denied Peter and they that were with him said master the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me and Jesus said somebody has touched me for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared unto him before all the people for what, for what cause she had touched him and how she had, was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Now, in the book of Matthew, you find this story actually three different times in three different Gospels, the same lady with the same issue of blood. And in the book of Matthew, we find out that, that in this course of events, that she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And then over in the book of, the book of uh, Mark, we see where she had spent all that she had and everything that she spent, but yet her situation got worse got worse and I want to talk a little bit about that this morning and talk to share a little bit about 
the instances and the things that happened in this lady's life. But first, before I do that, I want to go to the Lord in a word of prayer and just ask Him to bless the remainder of the service today. Father, we love you. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for how you've moved so far. Lord, we don't take for granted that we get to see folks come to this altar and lay that burden down. God, I pray that, Lord, you would bless each and every one of us, God. Lord, those, those that came, those that didn't. Lord, those that you tugged at their heart and Maybe you tugged at their heart to come, but they were afraid of the crowd and all that was going on, so they, they prayed there at their seat. God, I pray that you would take those burdens and those heavy hearts, God, and that you would lift them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You could be seated. Heather and I, we, uh, we celebrated. Miss Tara was reminding me that it was about April because Tara and us, we about started coming about the same time. April, we celebrated 10 years of being members at Temple Baptist Church. 10 years, and they still hadn't run us off yet. So that's why we celebrate, because they didn't run us off. And so, But when we first started coming to Temple, it was very different than it is now. And we would, when you pulled on to the parking lot down here, this building wasn't even here. It was just, it was just a dream in the preacher's mind. And he would tell us, can't you see a 500-seat auditorium up there on the hill? And we'd be like, yeah. And then we'd turn at each other and be like, no. And, but, no, it wasn't like that at all. He, the, you've heard him preach. The way he just laid it out there, you could see it, you know. And, uh, and he, he would preach about this building. But we were down here in this little building that we call The Rock now. And it didn't even look like it looked now because it had... Uh, the, now we've got the metal all around it and the nice parking lot out front. Before, our parking lot was just gravel. And this building down here, it was just a brick or a block building. And we actually, after we built this building and added the gym on in the back, what we did was we thought, well, this kind of looks weird having this block building. So we wrapped it up with metal to match this to kind of make our campus look prettier, you know? Well, as you walked in the front doors where we didn't have the nice glass doors that we have down there now, it was just like double doors and you go through the doors and you look down and there was this turquoise green peeling stick tile you know the kind that I'm talking about the stuff that's like in the lunchroom at the school I mean it was just it was turquoise green I'm telling you it was a sight for sore eyes or <laughs> it made your eyes sore I don't know which one it was it's, and then you would now this is now we've we're been here 10 years there's folks here that's been here longer than us if you're old school wave at me Back in the old building. Yeah, there's still several of us in here. So we, uh, you would come on through and you'd look down you'd see that green pill and stick tile and you'd go a little bit further through the next set of double doors and for about five more foot you'd still have that tile but then it met up to a pink carpet that ran from the rest of that tile all the way to the front and all, all the women are saying, it was mauve. That's what, it was pink. And... And we got rid of it. But now we, we, that carpet ran all the way up to the front. And then we had about 100, maybe 125 chairs that were like the ones that you're sitting in now. But they were, like they were kind of matched the tile. They were like an off turquoise green. And every once in a while, if you open up the right closet door around here, one of them will jump out at you. Beware of the turquoise green chairs. They're around here somewhere. But they were... But you would see those, and then if you got there too late, you didn't get even the cushiony chairs. We had 
metal folding chairs that we'd set two or three rows out and they would have them lined up there so man we'd fill up the 125 of the green chairs and then we'd go into the metal folding chairs well if you got here five minutes after 11 you missed out on the metal folding chair and you were stuck in about one of three or four of those old 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 wooden church pews now, I'm not talking about the nice ones either, y'all. I'm not talking about the ones that had the cushion on the, on the seat and then the cushion on the back. It wasn't like that. It was wood, wood, and more wood. And, you know, the kind that whenever you sit, they're made like this, kind of the contour. And when you sit down, you would slide back into them, you know. And, have, and it, was, it was something. If you wasn't careful, you'd get a splinter. And it, we would... Getting the service, I remember Dustin. Dustin's been around here for a long time too, y'all. And his his responsibilities have, I don't, they have, I don't know, quadrupled five times, ten times more than what he. Dustin's job at that time, he kind of keeps his whole ball rolling. If you didn't know, but Dustin's job, his responsibilities at that time, we didn't have these nice screens and the cameras and all that. What we had was an overhead projector. You know, the, the ones that's just the big square box and a light bulb in it and it shines it up on the wall? Well, D- Dustin's job at this time was preacher would print off his, his sermons onto a transparency, just a clear piece, and he'd put it on top of there. And then Dustin would take a piece of paper and put it over the outline. And then whenever he would go to number one, Dustin would slide the piece of paper down. And then whenever he would go to point number A, Dustin would slide the piece of paper down. And then whenever we get to the singing, he'd put a song on there. We'd go to the next one. He'd swap them over. And that was Dustin's responsibility. That boy has come a long way. <laughs> and then we'd get in there and we'd sing. Brother Bob was our choir director at the time. We had about five, six, seven guys and 20 women. And we would get up there and we would sing. And Boy, I remember Matthew Berry would get over there on the... Uh, not Matthew Berry, I'm sorry... Uh, Matthew Terry would get over there on the saxophone and play, and Brittany, she'd get on her on her fiddle or her violin. She would correct me if I said it was a fiddle. She'd get on her violin, and, and we would just have a big time. And it would get on, and the Holy Ghost would get to moving, and God would show up, and all of a sudden, Bob would do what he did a while ago, and he'd just, hey, man, and then it would just get good. And we had the best time. You say, Brother Scott, now you described how, you know, this building looked and how it was kind of run down and going on into what we are now. I don't know if I'd really like it in the old way as it is in the new way because we're different. But there's one thing about Temple Baptist Church 2002 and Temple Baptist Church 2012 that has never changed, and that is the presence of God. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the presence of God. I get to get up each week and, and introduce the service or, you know, welcome the visitors and that type of deal. And, and one of the things that I find myself saying a lot is, aren't we blessed to get to be a part of a church where God is so faithful to show up? And we get to feel God's presence each and every week. And I thought about that as I was getting ready and preparing this message on God's presence. If you were to ask three people to describe the presence of God, you'd probably get three different answers. Somebody would probably say, well, you know, the presence of God is kind of like earlier. 
the presence of God is when the choir starts singing and people start lifting their hands and, you know, and folks are coming to the altar. And that's the presence of God. And maybe you would get some folks that said, well, no, the presence of God is when the preacher gets up and he begins to preach the word of God and it just gets on everybody and we're shouting and folks are running and, and that's how I would describe the presence of God. And then maybe you would have somebody that would just say something along the lines of, man, if you ever get in God's presence, all you can do is stand in awe. You can't talk. How many of you ever had a service like that? Man, God's, God's glory just be so thick in a place, you, you can't say nothing, because if you say anything, you're going to mess it up. Man. But you know, not one of those answers is wrong, but not one of them is altogether right. Because... You see, there are some things that we see at a place when God shows up that help us to recognize the presence of God. It's not shouting and running. I've been to places where they shout and ran and God wasn't there. I've been places where they sat and you could hear a cricket chirp and God wasn't there. But there's three things that I want to see out of this portion of Scripture that I want to show you this morning that help us to see or to recognize the presence of God. The first one, I want to read that verse again. In um, number, uh, I'm sorry, Luke 8, 48. It says, And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. The first thing that we find taking place in the presence of God are relationships gained. Relationships gained. If you come in every week and you sit on your hands and you sit in awe, if you want to call it that, and you never say amen, never nothing, all, and you go week in, week out, week in, week out, and you don't see nobody saved, you're not in the presence of God. If you come in, I'll go to the other extreme. If you come in and they're running laps and they're, you know, shouting and screaming and standing in chairs. Now, I've shouted and screamed and stood in chairs and run laps. I've done those things. But if we're doing all that, if we're doing all that, and ain't nobody getting saved, we ain't experiencing the present. Now, I'm not talking about every day. I'm not saying that every Sunday somebody's going to get saved. We all know that's not true. But I'm talking about you go a while, and ain't nobody, nothing happening, something's wrong. In the presence of God, relationships are gained. You see, this lady... She was the lady with the issue of blood. And I believe that issue of blood, that illness, that sickness is a picture of her sin. And this woman is a picture of a sinner coming to Jesus Christ. Because the, what I was going to say earlier about Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says that she said within herself, before she ever went forward, before she ever moved towards Jesus, she said within herself. That's why he said, thy faith hath made thee whole. He didn't say all the stuff you had to do to get to me is what made you whole. He didn't say the, the, the fight in the crowd made you whole. He said your faith hath made thee whole. you got to get this picture in your head. Jesus is coming into town and Peter's done said, well, there was a multitude thronging them, which means they're just all around them, shoulder to shoulder, and they're kind of working their way through town and people are bumping into Jesus. The reason why, you see, with that many people, Jesus was constantly being touched. Do you realize that he was constantly being touched? People were bumping into him and hitting him and everything else. But this was different. 
was different. You see, here she is, and she's got this issue of blood where, you know, and a lot of commentaries will tell you that she would have to tell people that she was sick. People would walk by, and she may have to say something like, unclean, and let them know that she was, that she was ill, and that she had this problem, that she had spent all her money, and the doctors don't even know what's wrong with me. So she would have to tell them, hey, I'm unclean. She had problems. When she said within herself, when she heard that Jesus was coming by, when she heard the presence of God was fixing to take place, she worked her way through that crowd, probably crawling on all fours because the Bible says that she touched the hem of his garment, which was the bottom part of his robe. So if she crawled her way up through there, probably being kicked, maybe being stepped on, and then reached up and touches the hem of his garment, and then all of a sudden Jesus stops. And says, wait a second, who touched me? Who touched me? And then the disciples, Lord, look at all these people. Everybody's bumping into you. and They're all about you. And then you're going to ask us who touched you? And he said, no, somebody touched me. And the way he says this is almost, you can almost hear it in his voice. Wait a second, this is different. They touched me on purpose. They had a reason for reaching out. And he turns and he looks. And this portion of scripture in Luke says, And there she was trembling. There she was afraid. And she began to give her explanation on why she came forward and why she touched him. And Jesus just said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. That very first word is so important. Because... When she turned, or when he turned, and he looked at her, and he saw her trembling in fear. Why was she trembling in fear? Because she knew that she was standing before a holy God that had the right to say, take her away from me. She knew that she was standing before a God that, said, that could turn to her and say, woman, what have you done? But yet, in his great mercy and love, turns and says, in probably the most caring, loving, compassionate voice that she had ever heard before in her life. Daughter? Do you remember that day when you were that woman? Do you remember that day when it was you with the issue of blood? By the way, we all have an issue of blood. Do you remember that was when that was you? And somehow or another you said within yourself, if I could just get to Jesus... And then when you reached out to him and he turned to you, he had every right to say, do something with him. Do something with her. But yet, he said, son, daughter, in the presence of God, relationships are dangerous. The relationship, number one, of a father. We see the relationship of a father. There ain't, especially this being a woman, I just think that that's cool because I don't know what it is, but you have mama's boys and daddy's girls, and that's just the way it is. And it's, But a bunch of daddy's girls over here, apparently. But turns and says, daughter. And I think about how much I love my kids. I think about how special they are. And he turned, and she there was there, trembling in fear, and he says, daughter. So 
relationship of a father. The relationship of a father means that, imagine how much you love your children and what you would do for your kids, anything for your kids, and then you have that relationship with God. Imagine how much you love God and you think, or imagine how much you love your children and how important they are to you, and then you could just multiply that times infinity, and that's how much God really cares for you. Romans 8.15 says, For we, or for ye, have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear. There she was trembling in fear, but she had not received the spirit of fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, we use tags and different things in the church, and a lot of times lost people don't don't understand them. And there's even there's even uh, movements and teachings and things that say that that we need to get rid of those tags. And you know, like most folks know me as Brother Scott. Everybody knows me as Brother Scott. I've just I've always been Brother Scott, and that's what people know me. And there's a lot of people that believe that you ought to get rid of that stuff. But there's a reason for those things. That we, I'm Brother Scott because I've been adopted by the Father just as you've been adopted by the Father. So now you're Brother Clayton and Brother John, or Brother, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Brother Donnie. They all rhyme. It ain't even right. You've got to look over here. And they all sit in the same place too. It's Brother Donnie and Brother Johnny and Brother Buchanan. And we're, because we, we've all been adopted and we all have that relationship that we've gained. Not just the relationship of a father, but the relationship of a friend. That verse over in Proverbs said, says this, I believe it's Proverbs 18. He says, he says, For he to have friends, he must show himself friendly. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And man, that, that verse does something to me because I have a brother. I have a brother that's 13 months older than I am. We were in the same grade in school. We raised hell and the devil together. We just mean as snakes. We'd fight each other, then we'd fight you, and then we'd fight each other, and then we'd fight. I mean, that's just the way we were. Trouble all the time. And then December the 5th, you got, you got brother. You, December the 5th, 1999, God miraculously saved me. And when he saved me, he began to take things out of me. That meanness that was there, that want to go. Anybody ever just went out looking for trouble? You wanted to get in trouble? What? Man, and he took that meanness. He took that old me out and replaced it with a love that's unexplainable. And Nathan called me up and he said, Scott, when are we going to go to this club? Or when are we going to go to this bar? When are you going to come? And I said, Nathan, craziest thing has happened to me. Jesus Christ has come into my heart and he has saved me and he has remade me and I'm living for him and I can't go do those things. My brother, flesh and blood, dropped me like a bad habit. And that hurt until I found this verse. Because I found out that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I found out that wherever I go, he's right there with me. 
whatever I may walk through, whatever troubles and trials that I might have to go through, He's walking through those troubles and trials with me. No matter what it is that I may face, He's facing those with me. He's got my back. Where my brother dropped me, Jesus Christ is still a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In the presence of God, there are relationships gained. But not only are there relationships gained, but there is rest given. Rest given. He didn't just say daughter and just end there, but he said, be of good comfort. Be of good comfort. Rest given. That rest is not like you've worked all day and you want to come sit down in your recliner and drink a Pepsi or an ice water or whatever. That's not the type of rest that he's talking about. He's talking about that peace that passes all understanding. There's rest given in the presence of God. There's peace given in the presence of God. I believe that everything that we are here for all hinges on one thing. Everything that we're looking for, whether you come in here saved or whether you come in here lost, mainly lost folks, but when you come into this place and you and I were to ask you, well, well, what brought you here? What what why did you come? Maybe your response would be Man, I just needed joy. Well, joy and peace go hand in hand. I believe they all hinge on peace. Because you see, there is no joy without peace. And then you think about, well, maybe you say, well, I just, I just wasn't living right and I just needed forgiveness. Well, if you wasn't living right and you were looking forgiveness for forgiveness, then that means you were miserable. So what were you really looking for? Peace. It all hinges on peace. No matter what you're coming for. Say, I just, man, I just needed to go somewhere where I was loved. What does that mean? You're wandering around out there and you don't feel loved. And when you don't feel loved, you don't have peace. That rest that's given. Matthew 18, or 11, 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a couple of things I want to show you that we can rest in. One, we rest in His promises. We rest in His promises. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, these are my life verses, and I use them probably four out of five times that I preach. But the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. We have a promise there. We have a promise. What is the promise? That He will direct our path. But what do we have to do in order for Him to direct that path? We have to trust Him. We have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And then we have to do something else. We have to let go. Because He says, Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him. You see, that's hard. That's easy preaching and hard living. How many of you know that whenever you get the power bill in the mail... And it's more than the check that you got from your work. It is hard to give that to God. It's hard just to go, all right, God, you take this. Because then the power bill, the power company calls you up and says, we want ours too. Sometimes it's, it's hard to trust. Sometimes it's hard just to give it over to Because our makeup, it is in our DNA that we need to fix stuff. Especially men. Especially men. We want to fix it. And you know what? It's a, in a woman's DNA to tell a man to fix it. 
That was, that was divine. That was from the Lord right there. I don't, I'd never... But, but, yeah, this, it is. It's true. It's, it's in us to want to fix our problems. And a woman wants a man who knows how to fix stuff. You know, can take care of business. When we need to just give it over. Just need to give it over to him. Let him have it. And say, God, I'm laying it down at the altar. I don't know how it's going to get taken care of, but I'm trusting you to get taken care of. And I promise you this. God has never forsaken any of his children. Never. Never has he forsaken any of them. Never have he, the Bible says, never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And we'll go through different times where we get stressed out. Every time before I preach, every time before I preach, me and Heather, we will have a knockdown drag out. It does not fail. I mean, this week, this week, we got in the biggest fight that we probably got in in a month over a cinnamon roll. Am I lying? True story. I mean, the devil just took and something that was so small and made it such a big deal. Well, let me. Re- it wasn't exactly a cinnamon roll, y'all. It was actually a sticky bun. So. <laughs> See, now y'all are like, okay, that's why the, the cinnamon roll, that was junk, but sticky buns, that's something worth fighting for. But, you know, you know it's sugar and caramel and nuts. And, man, you put that thing in the microwave for about 40 seconds and whoo. But I'm thinking in my mind, it's a four-pack. Scott, Heather, Seth, Devin. Okay, and then I come home and where's the sticky buns? Well, we we ate them and gave one to your dad. I'm thinking I bought them. I wanted one. That was and so we got into the worst fight over this thing, y'all. I mean, it was so dumb, so dumb. We got into this biggest fight, and you know the fight wasn't even really over the sticky buns. The whole thing was is that we were actually stressed out over other stuff that was going on and school getting ready to start and all this, that, and the other. And she had open house. I mean, it's just everything that was going on compiled together and landed on that sticky bun. And when it came, and when they disappeared, I went nuts. <laughs> no, I didn't because I didn't have a sticky bun. I didn't have any. But so it was crazy. And then we just flew off the hinges at each other. And then I realized what most good men realized. I was wrong. <laughs> Don't get a witness. And I'm at work, and I work at Chick-fil-A, for those of you who didn't know that, and I get off at 10 o'clock every day, and then I go paint houses. And So I'm getting ready to get off work, and one of the benefits of working at Chick-fil-A is that they give you free food. And so... I thought, well, I'll get my food, and I'll take it to Heather. And so I got her a three-strip and a side salad and the dressing that she likes and everything. And I didn't tell her I was coming. And then I took it to her, and I put the bag in there in her room, and she took the bag, and then later on she sent me a text message that said, Peace offering accepted. 
<laughs> and so, what's that love language? The gifts one? What did you say? Yeah, so that's that's our love language, apparently. It's food. Food should be a love language. That could be. <laughs> there's six love languages. That's, but so, and right on top, you know what there was? A cinnamon roll. <laughs> and then she told me she didn't even eat it. But anyway, <laughs> but she, the whole point, the whole point of this silly, silly story is this is that, man, the devil wants you to be so twisted and tore up and worried and have that antsy feeling in your stomach where you you just feel like you're going to be sick all the time. He does not want you to have peace. But there is a peace that passes all understanding. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. You don't have to run around feeling like you're in trouble for something. (laughs) Joe helps me paint or he has helped me paint for the past couple of weeks and I've been running around in a car that Jonathan Beatty let me have about four months ago and uh Thursday I got a tag for it and so I'm running around for four y'all didn't catch that but so for four months I'm running around in a car with a bad tag and you know have you ever had that feeling just that gut check feeling like you're riding around and then you see the cop and you're like oh I gotta hit a dirt road you know I'm done <laughs> See, y'all have done it before. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so for four months, every time I'd get in my car, I'd say, Lord, just let me get to where I got to go without getting pulled over. You know, it's it's so goofy. And I'm thinking, man, if I get pulled over, they're going to take the car. It's still technically in Jonathan's name, so they're going to give him tickets, and he's going to be mad. And so I'm paranoid the whole time. And then Thursday, I get off work, and I go, and I, I get my tag, and Get all that stuff straightened out Friday after or Friday morning. I go and pick up Joe, and Joe gets in the car. And I said, "Joe, I'm legal." And Joe, Joe looked at me like, "I'm married." And I, and I said, "No, I got a tag. I got a tag for the car, man." And and it was nothing like. The, and I'm driving down the road now. I'm like, "Yeah, just pull me over. I got my insurance, my tag, my license is good." You know. I, just confidence. Because God wants us to be able to walk around. If you have peace, you can walk in confidence in God. Amen? Amen. Let's go on to my last one. We'll finish up. We'll get some folks baptized this morning and all kind of good stuff. All right. Not only do we see in the presence of God there are relationships gained and rest given, but the last thing I want you to see this morning is there's restoration that is guaranteed. There's restoration that is guaranteed. God is in the business of fixing the broken pieces. He takes that miry clay, he takes that pot that's all messed up, and he begins to mold it and make it, and there are times that it's messed up so bad that he really has to break it down and then start fresh with it. But he is in the business of putting together broken pieces and broken people. That is God's business. You say, Brother Scott, you said that restoration is guaranteed. And I've been saved for a long time, and I'm still dealing with this right here. And it's, it's still an issue in my life, something that I'm fighting with. It's a deal about restoration. It's a deal about sanctification. Some things, when you get saved, God just wipes right away. I, I have not touched a drug since I've been saved. He just took them away. Had no desire. But then there were other things. Cussing. 
I told y'all this story before, but man, I, I was cussing. I had a horrible, horrible mouth, and I would have to count my cuss words every day. I would. I'd be like, man, I said 11 today. I only said 7 yesterday, and I said 11 today. And then before too long, I didn't have to do that no more because God let that fall away. Well, Dr. Brown is one of, uh, one of our heroes around here. He, uh, there are several of us guys that we went to school up there at Victor, and we're all alumni from up there. And he's just, he's just the man. He's just the man, a great man of God. And he, uh, he was telling a story one time about how he had preached a revival and all the guys were standing out on the, on the front porch of the church and there were a few of them talking. This old boy comes up and he says, Doc, can I talk to you about something? He said, yeah, what is it? He said, man, I've been saved for a few years and I'll just be honest with you, I still have a problem looking at girls. He's like, I, I just... I want to be right and I want to be clean and I I just feel happy and I'm having to, I'll look and I'll turn away and then I'll look and I'll turn away. He's like, and I'm trying my best. He's like, what can I do to make that? He's like, I hadn't, he said, I hadn't touched a beer. I hadn't smoked a cigarette since I got saved, but I cannot shake this. And Dr. Brown told him what I told you all ago. Some things just fall off. Some things go away and then God has to work on the other ones. Well, there's an old man over there listening. He's about 90 something years old. Dr. Brown walked over to him. He said, hey, Pop. He said, hey. He said, we was just talking about how, you know, men a lot of times have trouble with their eyes. And, you know, they got to be careful about where they're looking and what they're looking at and having to fight that. He says, man, when does that finally go away? The old man said, son, you're going to have to ask somebody older than me. What's the moral of that story? The moral of the story is this. That we're going to mess up. We're going to fall. We're going to feel like junk. We're going to feel like we're filthy, no good for nothing. And the fact of the matter is we are. Because we still are in this flesh. Our flesh is not saved. And it's still gonna, we're still going to have to fight it each and every day. But when we fall, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His mercies are new every morning. That restoration is guaranteed fresh, but not only is it guaranteed fresh, it's guaranteed forever. It's guaranteed forever. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to fall. I'm a person. I'm a normal guy. Only difference in me and you right now is four steps. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall. But our restoration is guaranteed forever means this. One day, not on this side of glory, but on the other side, when we get over there with Jesus, we're going to be able to stand before him in a brand new body, in a brand new spirit. And we're going to be completely restored and fit for the kingdom of God. Amen.